I um, I popped my seltzer before we started recording. Oh, we so don't get the refreshing. There will be no interruption. Uh, welcome back. We are rusty. We haven't done this in a while. It's we yeah we we front loaded ourselves with some extra content because Abby got her boobs sliced off. So thank God because we still <laughs> are like kind of behind the curve. We I know. like really tried to be prepared. I mean, yeah, I got. Did I tell you they took? My doctor told me they took seven pounds off of the front of me. Jesus Christ. I know. So we got a piece of, this is gross, but we got a piece of brisket for Christmas that was six pounds. And Adam just like held it in front of me and I was like, get it away from me. <laughs> no. She said, I'm one of the larger surgeries she's ever done. Damn. I was like, thanks. I'm so happy to hear it. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is the Spooky Succubus cast. Uh, yeah. Right? New boobs I forgot. Right. (laughs) Who are we? Yeah. I'm Rebecca. I'm Abby, and we are currently in 2021. This is our ringing in the new year episode. Rebecca chose American Psycho. You did. Congratulations. Welcome. You're all welcome. Everyone is welcome here. (laughs) I don't know how long you're going to want to stay here after we start talking about this fucking movie. Um, Uh, So this is a Rebecca Mancia standard. I have never seen it before. I I watched it for the first time this week. Before we get into it, I don't know if it's the right time, but um, I just have to say I have to return some videotapes. Oh, yeah. Okay, should we it's my pick favorite. this up later? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gotta go. So, <laughs> to everyone that follows us on Instagram or, like, remotely cares about what we're doing with our lives, we're sorry we've been a little off the grid. I got my tits sliced off and Rebecca got COVID, so. I am currently COVID <laughs> positive. Yeah. Hey, so we might have to take some cough breaks, some blowing your nose breaks. My voice sounds weird. That's okay, because Adam taught me how to do the editing. I'm already a professional. I will cut it out in post. You're, I have full faith in you. So if Black Christmas sounded like shit, it's because I edited it. So yeah, we're talking about American Psycho today. I hated it. I can't tell you how much I hated it. I wanted it. So I also... Because I didn't want to pay for it, I watched it for free on Peacock. Where I'm sure you have it on DVD, right? I don't actually have it on DVD, but I just rented it on YouTube. So okay, yeah. So I rented it on P. Or I didn't rent it. It's free on Peacock, but it has commercial breaks. Yeah. So in the middle of like a really intense scene, it'll cut to like an Uber Eats commercial, and I'm like, oh no. Um, I've seen this movie. I don't know. Maybe like. I'd say probably less than 10 times, but more than five. So a lot. I'll never watch it again. I I, promise you that. I am not like, there's a lot of things that I'll apologize for, but uh, loving this movie. When did you first see it? Uh, I don't, probably like junior high, maybe. I don't think I got all the the subtle nuances. As we do more episodes of this, I realize more and more why. I you am are the... so dead inside. Like, <laughs> Why I am the way I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, like, I don't, I was, I'm so desensitized. That's why, like, no scary movie ever affects me is because, like, I was I watching. I did watch a scary movie that kind of, like, ooed me out. I watched the movie Relic, which is the directorial debut of a female director whose name slipped my mind, but it stars Emily Mortimer as, like, the 
And uh, as the daughter of this, like, older woman who's suffering from Alzheimer's. Mm. And so it's, like, all a metaphor. But it was, like, really icky spooky. You would like it. Yeah. You know, toxic mother-daughter relationships all over the place. Because it's three generations of women. So Mm. you'll find something to relate to. Right. I, like, getting older and Alzheimer's is really, like, and dementia it's a personal thing for me that like and it's also it it's like makes me really sad and you know I get really sad and so like I prefer just to be scared rather than sad this was scary sad so maybe it's not for you I'll try uh but yeah you might like it I that's why I'm not having kids (laughs) I just like that that's one reason I'm not having kids like I just want to die fast and before things get too grim, you know? Yeah. That's why Caesar and I have a suicide pact. Yeah, Kevorky and that shit. Goodbye. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I do want to get turned into a tree, so then, like, who would find my body? If I, like... The... Really? I just want to be, like, an eternal, immortal witch. I just want to poof like, super... into nothingness. Yeah. Because um, if you jump off of something, you're like littering. You're just like leaving your body for well, someone yeah, else. Yeah, somebody will, will pick you up eventually. But then another thing is like, I don't appreciate people that jump into bodies of water where other people swim. That's just not polite. Or like, like in front of. It's also yeah, not polite to have some un like I want to swim person. in there. And you're decomposing. Like jeez. Very cabin feverish. Blah, I can't blah. even talk about cabin fever. Let's do it. It's so gross. Maybe we can someday. Someday. Also, I've been thinking, Rebecca, that instead of sleepaway camp for my birthday, I think I want to do House of Wax. (laughs) You are obsessed with House of Wax. (laughs) I'm obsessed with it. I'm really, I feel like I need to like get it, have a catharsis and get whatever's inside of me out. (laughs) It's your birthday. Um, and it's your party and you'll cry if you want to. It's so whatever party. you want. <laughs> we'll talk offline. So this is a 2000 and what? 2000, 2001 movie directed by Mary Karen. Um, Heron. With and an H. the, excuse me? I'm sorry. Mary Heron with an H. I thought it was Karen with a C. Uh-oh. You know what? I'm, uh, it's Mary fine. Heron. <laughs> um, and with a screenplay by Guinevere Taylor, is that correct? Turner. <laughs> Turner? I, why am I here? I'll let you We're take rusty. It. No, 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 no. It's fine. I Who also plays Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Yes, uh-huh. I did. <laughs> I found stuff out. So uh, it's from a novel written by... Brett Easton Ellis. Okay. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Which I also have read and own the book so oh okay i'm I'm curious i'm curious to hear what you say because the book sounds unbearable um it's pretty unbearable but that's kind of the point i I only read it once uh and i only read parts of it in preparation for the podcast what i read in this the generic american psycho uh which was written by david eldridge i almost didn't get it was basically what is helpful about the movie is the contextualization of his misogyny outside of just the narration of bateman because if you're experiencing a satire inside of like the world of an unreliable narrator without any third party perspective. Like, can it really be satire? Is but I'm it? sure yeah. we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, so buckle up, you guys. I am tired already. It is my turn to do the plot, which makes no sense since this is Rebecca's movie. So it'll probably be a little bit of a mess. I'll just interject with my joke. Let's dive in. My <laughs> idea. So the opening credits are um, is a sequence of someone carefully plating a piece of meat at a fancy restaurant. Uh, we see that it is definitely like the height of late 80s sort of like haute cuisine in New York. The camera pans over some fancy plates. A string musician is playing and the servers are reading off the specials and it sort of like ends up becoming a harmony of servers re- reading the same specials. And I was like, oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> So the camera finally lands on a table of terrible men. They're really sexist and really anti-Semitic, but they're curbed in their anti-Semitism by a Patrick Bateman. Uh, and we're kind of like set up that that is our focal point and main character. He's our boy and then next that, door. Our boy next door. That guy that looks like Matthew McConaughey, but is not Matthew McConaughey, is in this movie. Who was in, uh, also in Sweet Home Alabama with <laughs> exactly. Reese, Wi- Reese, Reese Witherspoon. Witherspoon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we have not Matthew McConaughey, um, some other guy, and then there the um, Justin guys, Thoreau. Justin Thoreau, who makes me wet down under. <laughs> really? He's so hot. I don't know what it is, you guys. You know I have terrible taste. I um I feel like he would be really condescending in real life, and that's like he's like I've been in a David Lynch movie, so. <laughs> So, have you heard of Mahal and Drive? Um, <laughs> no. So, the terrible men enter a club. There's, we definitely see some elements of like the late 80s club kid kind of party monster scene. We should do Party Monster. <gasps> Is that a horror movie? It's mm. this true story of this guy, I think Michael Alig is his name, who gets just like totally fucked up and murders someone. He was like super famous on the club kid, like 80s party scene. And he just, like, murdered someone. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, you know this story. Yeah, I do. My friend Alex knows. She's listening. No. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, so Bateman has a couple of drink tickets, but the bartender says they're not good and won't take them. When she rebukes him, he says, you're a... Fu- Wait, I'm going to try my Bateman impression. You're a fucking ugly bitch. Yeah. It's pretty good. good. Yeah. I want to stab you to death and play around with your blood. And I was like... Good. Good cool. stuff. Thankfully, she doesn't get murdered as far as we can tell. We cut to a pristine apartment with white walls, sleek furniture, super like trendy, late 80s kind of modern furniture with a little piano song playing. Um, PB, a.k.a. Patrick Bateman, a.k.a. Peanut Butter, is doing a voice. I started calling him PB too. <laughs> Peanut Butter. <laughs> Peanut Butter. Uh, he's 27 years old. He believes in taking care of himself. I'm just checked to make sure I was actually recording because I had a little like flash across my eyes that I didn't press the button. Whoopsie, we're good. good. Um, He has a balanced diet and has a rigorous exercise routine. He takes us through said routine, his shower and his skincare routine. Legit, his skin did look pretty good. So it's so boring. It's It's boring. I didn't write anything down. No, yeah, and that's the whole like point of it is that it's so unbelievably boring and the the thing about the book is that he goes pages and pages and pages of nothing of just like just like name brand designers yeah yeah i read that and i was like glad i'm not reading the book (laughs) how many times have you read the book just once 
and yeah, I that seems like enough. It was enough. I like did enjoy it, but it it was a struggle. Um, That's a one and done kind of situation. Yeah, because it was also like. It was really, I, like, enjoyed it for what it was, but I didn't enjoy reading it because it was either, like, bland descriptions of nothing, meaningless consumerism, and then to, like, explicit details of murder There, I read rape in an article, there's a part where, yeah, where he sends a, a starving, starving rat, rat of a woman's vagina. vagina. Mm-hmm. Mr. Ellis. Easton Ellis, we don't need that. No one asked for that. It's not a thing. No. Take it back. Return to sender. Yeah. But the idea behind it is... um... It's already in the cultural canon. So uh, Patrick Bateman says, there's an idea of a Patrick Bateman. We might have similar lifestyles and consume similar things, but at his root, he's inhuman and not there. Um, Did you read the thing that was like he um, based... Christian Bale based part of his um, performance characterization performance off of a late night interview with Tom Cruise. Yeah. And Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Tom Cruise just has this like insane glittering smile with nothing behind the eyes. And I was like, that's like too real. You can totally. I like he did set. I also love Christian Bale's performance in this movie. I think it's so fucking zany and weird and his it's all over the place and it's It's perfect just like you don't get used to it no every time he talks you're like wow i knew that was gonna happen but i'm just like not accustomed to the sound his mouth hole makes the confession scene i can just like watch on repeat there's so much like saliva and teeth sucking and like he's so sweaty (laughs) sweaty wet men sweaty it's so good oh man so then we have Walking on Sunshine playing while Peanut Butter uh, walks into his office. He talks about his schedule with his assistant, Jean, played by Chloe Sevigny, who I freaking love. She's she great. has a crush on him, and I'm like, Jean, get away. Um, he tells her not to wear the outfit she's wearing again and to wear high heels from now on because you're prettier than that. Cut to him in a taxi with his fiance Evelyn, played by Reese Witherspoon. She's trying to plan their wedding, but he says he can't get the time off work. And she was like, why don't you just quit your job? You hate that job anyway. And she says he, or excuse me, he says he keeps it because he wants to fit in. And he's really aggressive, and I really admire Evelyn for just really not noticing any of those red flags. She doesn't care about him or anything at all. She really could give a shit less so so they get to espace 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 (laughs) and meet timothy bryce played by justin thoreau uh and bateman says he believes evelyn and timothy are having an affair but it doesn't matter because he's having an affair with evelyn's closest friend courtney rollinson who is engaged to my favorite character in this movie lewis carruthers Carruthers. (laughs) he's so he is the third i think Lewis Carruthers III. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bateman goes off on a really, like, constructed rant about kind of, like, what the right opinions of the Reagan era are. And everyone is, like, so impressive. So smart. That um, passage is almost directly from the novel. He goes into, like, that yeah, exact... Yeah, I saw that. Um, and she kept it intact because it was so, like, perfect. And if you want to know what it is, uh, look it up because that's not the kind of podcast was, you're listening to. It was a lot. It was, like, yeah, it's just, like, sound bites of political correctness. But 
stash. Not even really like, it's like, we need to discourage communism in Central American countries. And it just like displays like a profound misunderstanding about what is actually happening. It's yeah, Reagan era. Attention to what is happening in the, you know, policies and mainstream media. So uh, PB is at the ATM. A woman passes him on the street and they have like a little bit of a spark go off. Uh, He murders her off screen and we cut to him at the cleaners arguing racistly with the Asian woman behind the counter because she can't get blood stains out of his sheets. Uh, And then he connects with a woman named Victoria. Who we never see again. Is she in the book? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think actually in the book, it's one of his, his friends, like his male friends who comes in and sees him. Uh, I can't really remember, but she, it's just like a a random rich person. She's like, she's eager for his attention, but he's avoidant. And then is just like, Hey, get these cleaners to deal with my bloody sheets. And she says, okay, let's do lunch. It was a, Pointless scene that I forgot about until right now. (laughs) So then (laughs) PB is on the phone with Courtney, his mistress, while watching porn. Uh, Louis Carruthers III is out of town and he wants to take her out to dinner. She wants to go to Dorcia. And so he calls Dorcia to get the res and they laugh him off the phone. So he ends up taking her to Barcadia and pretending it's Dorcia because she's high as shit and she didn't notice anyway. Yeah. So then we're in the boardroom with uh, the other assholes and Patrick Bateman. He's sweating and losing his shit because everyone else's business cards, particularly uh, Paul Allen's, are a little bit more impressive than his. Do you have anything to add, Rebecca? I I just really love that the business cards are boring, white, and plain. And just like the president. men. Yeah, just like the men who <laughs> hold them and wield them. It's pretty great. They are just ridiculous. They're they're ridiculous. Comparing. Cut it out in post. Just kidding. (laughs) You won't. (laughs) They are comparing like the printing, embossing, and the color of the sort of white paper. And it is probably the funniest scene in the movie. It's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's also just like the music cues in the movie are also like so comical there's like They're a slight so whoosh of air as like he pulls out the business card it's so good wait did you read i sent that little like factoid article over the whooshes were made in like a really funny way no i out. didn't see the the whooshes i also okay. jared leto so good at playing a douchebag yeah he's like such a fucking hot, douche though. i disagree I have a problem. Uh, so the I'm in this like little 20 facts you never knew article. And the information about the whooshing sound is next to a gif of him dancing to Huey Lewis in the news in his raincoat. And it is pretty funny. So the whooshing sound effect is uh, made by slowing down the sound of a sword being drawn from its sheath. Wow. Crazy. So phallic. Crazy, right? Yeah. Like... Nothing else could make that noise. Right. You can just like <laughs> into a microphone. Yeah. Who what Foley artist was working on this movie? <laughs> okay. All right. So um PB is mad because of the business card thing, so he accosts an unhoused black man uh and tells him to get a job. He sort of like toys with the man who believes he might actually help 
him and instead he tells him he reeks of shit calls him a loser and then kills him and his dog it's horrifying it's he's played by reg e cafe cafe who's Who's built pretty high yeah yeah he's (laughs) a he's an extensive character actor he's like done a ton of things and he also was in the machinist with christian bale like four years later which is weird uh, is that the only person of color in the movie besides we have the Asian the laundromat dry cleaners um, the the Asian people working at the spa and then it's like very very purposeful and like her portrayals of like immigrants are all in service positions and people in the service industry and they're right? like yeah for the mo- like the you cut from the workers in the spa directly to a person working as an elf at this christmas party who's also a person and, of well, color well i think you we actually are going right to the spa from here yeah too, so. so we're like to he doesn't see them as anything other than objects yeah but karen Sorry, Marin specifically centers them in a a pretty poignant way. Mm -hmm. All right, so he's getting a massage, and we hear a voiceover. I have all the characteristics of a human being, but no identifiable emotions except for green and disgust. Something horrible is happening inside, and I don't know why. Um, I feel lethal on the verge of frenzy, and this is pretty famous. I fear my mask of sanity is about to slip. It's like, welcome to the club. He he doesn't have one to begin with. That's like. So then we um, cut to the Christmas party where we do see the service industry worker um, server dressed as an elf looking really miserable walking yeah. through this party. And then we see Evelyn approach with a pig. A little like pet pig. It was pretty Snowball. Cute. It was so cute. Why was it there? I don't know. I mean, I didn't get it. It's I guess. A portrayal of like Wall Street excess, but yeah, they just get a pig because they want a pig, me. and then the pig is gone because it didn't really mean anything. Right. So then Paul Allen, with whom uh, PB has beef, is confusing Patrick for Marcus Havelstrom, another co-worker at Pierce and Pierce. So um, <laughs> P and P. Patrick schedules dinner with him as Marcus, and we're like, oh no, something sinister is going to happen. So they are um, at a Mexican restaurant. Oh, another person of color, the server there, who they're really workers. aggressively rude to. Texarkana Alan, is what it's called. Texarkana. Alan uh, chides Patrick for the shitty restaurant choice, but uh, they just start like making small talk about, like, women and being disgusting. Yeah. Uh, And then he gets Alan really drunk and says that he likes to dissect girls and is utterly insane, but it goes right over Paul Allen's head. They're hanging out at Patrick's apartment where there's drop cloths on the furniture, a newspaper on the floor. He's got a raincoat and a mirror-sharpened hatchet and is waxing poetic about Huey Lewis, Paul is extremely wasted and is not picking up on what's happening. So uh, he then murders Paul with the axe while screaming about reservations at Dorcia. Hip to be square is playing while he lights a cigar. It's it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's but it's also like 
It's you have such a like light in your eyes. I love yeah. It's so <laughs> it's just like so hilarious, and also because like you, he's the he's the death that we care the least about because like he's just the better yuppie. So who gives a fuck if he dies? Like he's also nothing. He means nothing, and and it's like no one really cares that he's gone like no they don't even realize that he's gone or is he gone it doesn't matter either way it's the same outcome and kimball's investigation is very half-hearted which we'll get into it's just like this is like the nexus of just complete like apathy no one fucking cares about anything nothing means anything they're all yeah self-absorbed and self-obsessed and like who, yeah, who cares if a yet another Wall Street douchebag is dead or not dead? He could be in London somewhere. Who knows? I wish they were all dead. It's also uh, a, they talk, she talks about this in, or he talks about this in the generic American Psycho. Is that like, Heron is directly referencing other horror movies. And this is very A Clockwork Orange. The singing yeah. in the rain. And like, it's. Even, but that's so much scarier than this because the stakes are so high and here the stakes are nothing. It doesn't, nobody gives a shit. It's yeah. just funny. All right. So he carries the body past the doorman in a bag to the trunk of a taxi. The doorman, like, he's like, I'm not dealing with this. Like, I got off in 10 minutes. I don't care. Like, I'm going home. Um, and then... <laughs> He runs into Louis Carruthers III while loading the body into a trunk of a taxi. Uh, Louis is really interested in where Patrick got his luggage. I think the presumably sex worker with Louis is like, yeah, that's a body, but like I'm not getting involved. Another person of color. Mm-hmm. So he heads to Paul's apartment, packs the suitcase, changes the outgoing message on Paul's answering machine and leaves. He's already disposed of the body. That happens off screen. Uh, so then he's back at his office listening to Lady in Red. And then Jean comes in because Detective Donald Kimball, portrayed by Willem Dafoe, is there to see him. His, he's hired by Meredith Powell. The Please, When he's on, talking on the phone, like to pretend to be talking on the phone, when Kimball comes in, he's talking, he's like fake giving <laughs> someone advice on how to tip. On how to like get a suit t- tailored or something. It's hilarious. It's like, don't, don't tip the owner of the shop. I was like, thank you. Good intel. Right. So uh, again, Kimball was hired by Meredith Powell to investigate the disappearance of Paul Allen. Um,. Bateman accuses him of being part of the quote-unquote Yale thing, a closeted homosexual doing a ton of coke. Uh, and then Which is pa- also him, though. So yeah, like... That's, yeah. that's every man in this movie, so... Right, yeah, like, you all want to touch each other's ding-dongs, like... Mm-hmm. And you all have you a coke You want to do coke off each other's <laughs> ding-dongs. It's fine, no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is ding dong a professional term to use? I didn't enjoy it, but that's okay. I don't like kitty names. <laughs> <laughs> I just really hate kitty names for genitalia. They all want it freaks to do coke off of each other's erect penises. Penises. There we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so Patrick is getting the feeling that he's cro- being cross-examined by Kimball. Uh, Meredith, Paul's girlfriend doesn't believe he went to London and they have a pretty charged moment while discussing the eeriness of the disappearance. So I want to point out another thing that I learned by Googling. Is it Willem Dafoe's portrayal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. do you want to say it? No, go ahead. 
Really? You're going to let me do it? Yeah. Even though I love Willem Dafoe, too. And his, like, I do, too. He's so creepy looking. He is so talented. Really creepy. He is so creepy in... Um... What is happening? What? Um, <laughs> fuck. That uh, David Lynch movie with Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage. Yeah, to be more specific, I don't know oh that I've God. ever seen you it. Guys, I maybe have I've to never seen it. In the middle of recording, I don't oh, know. Everyone is screaming right now. Uh, Nick Cage, Laura David Lynch Dern. is just so. I don't know. Wild at Heart. That's okay. I've so, never seen it. In Wild at Heart, um, Nick Cage and Laura Dern play a pair of like lovers running away from an oppressive man. For some reason, I can't remember what. Uh, and the guy that's chasing them is played by Willem Dafoe. And in one of the scenes, he pisses in a urinal. But it turns out that it was just a set urinal and wasn't functioning. And he wasn't supposed to actually pee. He was supposed to pantomime peeing. So the PAs had to clean up Willem Dafoe's <gasps> pee on set. Oh, yeah. gross. It's so bad. Ew. And sorry for the aside and how long it freaking took me to come up with the name of that movie. So Willem... So, Defoe's portrayal of this. Yeah, where Kimball is on screen talking to Patrick Bateman. He was asked to portray the character three different ways. The first way is that Kimball knew Patrick Bateman had killed Paul Allen. The second is that he didn't know. And the third is that he just wasn't sure. So then they edited all of those takes together. So you really, like, don't know what Kimball thinks. It's a pretty masterful performance, I have to say. I really like Willem Defoe. Me too. So, uh, he's maniacally doing... Oh, sorry. Let's recenter. We're back at Patrick Bateman's apartment, who is maniacally doing crunches while (laughs) watching the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, And then we cut to him approaching a sex worker in his car. Uh, She says she's not supposed to go to his apartment, but she obviously wants the wad of cash Mm -hmm. and recognizes that he's a Wall Street guy with, like, more money than he knows what to do with. So, she acquiesces and goes to his apartment. He tells her his name is Paul Allen, and he assigns her the name of Christy. Uh, he puts her in a bath, tells her to clean her vagina, and then he requests a third, goes to greet her at the door, and deems her Sabrina. Uh, he this also is like all really fucking hard to watch. It's all yeah, it. it's all gross. Christy is like at first only concerned with materialism and is like, oh, I, like, really lucked out and got this, like, rich guy who gave me a bath and the Chardonnay, but she immediately yeah. sees him for pathetic and and m- malicious and, like, it... Right. I don't and know. then there's another scene with Christy later in the film where they're also with uh, Patrick's acquaintance Elizabeth, and they're drinking Chardonnay again, and she says it tastes weird. So there's also the ambiguity of whether or not he's drugging these women. You see um, him drug. You see him put the. Okay, well, I didn't notice it, but I guess you do see it. You like, yeah, he's like, st- you like just see the pill, and then he like he's behind I didn't the bar. See it. Putting... I'm not qualified to be here. It's okay. It, we'll get into it later on. But yeah, he does. He does drug it. So he's drugging everyone. Okay, let's move on. I'm mm-hmm. stupid. <laughs> So they're in the living room listening to Phil Collins. Uh, that's not even necessary. I didn't need to say that. Nothing really happens except for he talks about Phil Collins for a while. I enjoyed it. I like Phil Collins. It's just, yeah, it's he's regurgitating and recycling everything about himself. He has no yeah. identity. 
So it's like basically what a music critic has written. Did you see that TikTok? Was that that was like Phil? No one asked you to go so hard on the Tarzan soundtrack. Like <laughs> no, it was just it's a true, Disney movie though. soundtrack, and you made like a masterpiece for the ages. I love Tarzan, and I like Phil Collins too, but. I do too. I am wary of like watching some of my old favorites these days because yeah. I think that I won't love them anymore because I think it will all be really problematic. But for now, you'll be in my heart, Tarzan. Right. My mom do loves. I, do. <laughs> I got it. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell is one of my mom's favorite people ever. And that's she, so funny. She's not good. Yeah. She was in Tarzan though. So um she Adam and I just watched the live action Flintstones movie, which speaking of going too hard on something, that must have cost just millions of dollars. I love but John Goodman I, though as well. Very good. Uh I thought that um Halle Berry just probably was grossly underutilized. But I gotta say Rosie O'Donnell did a pretty good Betty Rubble. It was believable. It's true. I mean, I don't. I, I. She doesn't exist as anything other than like my mom's favorite person in the world. So like, I yeah, can't really my mom. See really, it. Like, she had a daytime show back yeah. in the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom was pretty into Rosie. That was before Doctor Phil got his hooks in her. Everything went downhill after that. I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, and the whole DT thing. Doctor Phil Collins had gotten his hooks in her instead. Then we would have had a way more right. follow-up, I think. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's been a segue. <laughs> so he is having sex with the sex workers on camera. He is obsessed with himself, checking his muscles out in the mirror, making them look at the camera. And then they're sleeping, but he wakes them up. They want to go, and he says, we're not through yet. Uh, and he grabs a wire hanger. So he assaults them with the hanger and other instruments off screen. And we just cut to them looking bloodied and fucked up as they grab their cash and leave. It's horrible. It's pretty horrible, yeah. Take a moment to just drink in how much worse that would have been if a man made it. Yeah, so all of the explicit violence in the movie is off screen for the most part. The only like real blood and gore happens to a man. And even when later on with the chainsaw scene... We just see the chainsaw in the body. We don't see it happening. Um, I think you only, the closest thing you get is him stabbing the unhoused man because yeah. you do kind of see it in silhouette, which is classic because it's a black person. Of Why course, not? yeah. And you see the blood splatter when he kills Paul Allen. and that's They don't even show him killing the dog, but yeah. they'll show him killing a black person. You just like, you just hear a dog cries. You don't hear. You actually you do see him shoot a woman to death later on. Oh yeah, but she's an old lady, spree. so it's fine. She's not a person. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't have value because she's past reproduction age. Get yeah. it together, Rebecca. I'm sorry, you're right. Okay. All right, so he's having some drinks with the dirt bags. Um, they're talking about how smart women are always ugly. Um, Actually, there are no cetera, smart women or women with, with good personalities. If someone does have a good personality, it's because she's invented that personality to make up for being so ugly. Ugh. They also I mean, they don't have really, personalities, so they would They know. hit the nail on the head. It's like, I knew I was going to be fat, so I was like, I guess I got to try to be funny. Um, yeah, that's so true. I mean, my only personality goodness. trait is my internal turmoil, so that's hey, 
It's better than nothing. You gotta do what you gotta do. Plus, I... you're, you know. What? You're just a little hard body, aren't you? What? Isn't that like what they call women? I don't know. Oh, yeah, that is true. That's you run, you say. have the strong thighs. Your body is hard. Mine is squishy. I think I'm pretty squishy as well. Inside. If you're squishy, you're not alone. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay to be squishy. I So Caesar and I were watching uh, Law & Order the other day, last night. And Classic or SVU? SVU. Yeah. He's duh. a duh, yeah. of course. I do like some of the old Law & Order, regular Law & Orders. Uh, but there is, like, a Slim Fast commercial of, like, people, like, I have lost 20 pounds. And, you know, they do, the, like, the old picture of them and then, like, them in the commercial. And is this I'm in like, SVU or in the commercial? No, this is a commercial while we're watching it. And I was like, <laughs> people's justification for, like, fat people are unhealthy. I'm like, is, does this seem like a healthy thing to do? Don't eat food. Drink this stupid fucking shake for three meals a day. That's so much really more healthy. Do you really want to get me riled up on this? <laughs> I was is this just really like, a direction you that's go insane. <laughs> I was just like, people are crazy. I don't get it. Well, uh, the BMI is a racist construction and... Just like the um, IQ test. Just like the IQ test. Just like fucking everything. Everything. Um, so, yeah, you actually can be fat and a functioning, healthy human being that enjoys exercise. I don't enjoy exercise and I'm not healthy, but it's not because I'm fat. It's because I don't want to get off my ass and watch TV, like stop watching TV. <laughs> it's also like, whose ideas? I don't, I don't know. Also, I it's so shitty because like the same year that I started dating Adam, I got into like a relationship. So, you know, you get relationship weight. I quit smoking and I went on antidepressants. So I did like things that were supposed to be good for my health. And then as a result, I just got more and more marginalized by doctors. (laughs) I was like, ah, ain't that a kick in the head. You're so great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everything is stupid. Anyway. I miss cigarettes. I wonder what they're thinking about. I wonder if they're thinking about me. Right I think now. they're thinking about you. It's um, <laughs> it's only when I'm drunk that I'm like, you know, we've been out at bars yeah, and like, actually, let's the last get time a cigarette. I smoked a cigarette. I think I was with you because I remember Claire, that time. Hey Claire. Hi Claire. Uh, Claire just had them, and I was like, can I have one? I only finished half of it because it had been so long that I was like, oh, I'm like not up to the challenge anymore. But back when I was a smoker smoker, the best, uh, it was like a weekend day when you wake up late and have a cup of coffee and a cigarette on the porch. Best breakfast. Best breakfast. If I had never, (laughs) if I had never met and started dating Caesar, I would probably be a serious cigarette smoker because I always liked it. And it's like a very, I have a lot of anxiety. So like, especially when I'm drinking and I feel out of control and like, I just need like a tangible thing to bring me back down. But he hates cigarettes, always has. And so I was like, yeah, I've never smoked before when I met him and uh, I was lying. So... That's a lie. It's a lie. You're married to a liar. He, I like... I mean, of course. I like told him I was into basketball. I just wanted him to like me. And then... I do, like, enjoy watching basketball, but not as much as I led him to believe. And then I was like, yeah, I never smoke cigarettes. And then he was like, I like you anyway. You didn't have to lie. I was like, well, you're the first one, so. Yeah, you're the first person (laughs) to like me for my personality and the way I am right now. Right. So, who I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) The track record was you have to lie and cover up that you have human emotions to get a man to like you. So Yeah. So, whoops, my bad. Yeah. 
Well, we all made it out alive. We're all part. fine now. You know, if you... I was thinking about this when I was listening to, I don't remember, some episode. I was like, maybe, yeah, maybe we're, like, a little too personal. But then I think, like, if you've ever been in situations where we've been in, where people, everyone has been in, and, like, you hear someone making, like, talking about it and being open about it, hopefully it makes you feel better about it. So that's my goal. I think that women should be able to, not just women, anybody that has dated a cis white man (laughs) needs to form a support group and like a collective support group should exist because that shit is an extreme sport and it fucks you up and like i don't know a guy i have the complete mouse rebecca owen if you're out there you stole my book it was both volumes (laughs) of mouse it was hardcover he asked to borrow it and And he he stole it he stole it he dated you just to get that book I don't know, man. I texted him and I was like, all right, so you're ghosting me, right? Like, you need to return my book. And then he sent me some, like, apology about being emotionally unavailable and, like, leading me on. And I was like, we are past that motherfucker. Send me me the book. $60, $80 $60 hardcover collectible copy of the complete mouse asshole. If you're out there and you hear this, you owe me a fucking book. Venmo me $60. Let's do it. I hate that guy. That is like next level shit, especially since I gave him my address several times, followed up, and he was like, yes, I'm sending it. Absolutely. And he never did. I do take comfort in the fact that every time he looks at that book, he has to be like, I am such an asshole. Yeah. And you are. But I bet he really doesn't think about it. So... Yeah, let me have my date. I mean, I'm sorry. That's true. He's he's <laughs> probably doing really terribly, and you're doing so well. So. I don't want him to be doing terribly. I just want him to that, be like not that level. I want him to be well adjusted enough to be like that was bad. He could still send it to you, for. right? He still has your phone oh, number. That was an that was an address ago. Okay. He does probably he's has I deleted his phone number because I don't need that kind of shit in my life. Yeah. Owen? Man, I, there were so many duds before Adam. Yeah. It was Dud City. So, yeah, uh, Owen. if you've also dated duds, hopefully listening to us talk about our experiences with a couple of frogs makes if you feel If you ever better. feel bad, remember that a guy once dumped me because a new World of Warcraft extension was coming out. <laughs> that is not the first time. <laughs> do that than hang out with me. No, it's just like, that is my touchstone for just like... <laughs> How wrong it can go. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. So Who he's having drinks about? with his dirt bag. They're talking about disgusting, ugly women. How dare they have minds, thoughts, or not be at the gym every day. Um, Patrick <laughs> tries to misquote Ed Gein. It's actually an Edmund Kemper quote. I was going to say like, that does not weird. sound like an Ed Gein <laughs> thing to say because he could barely talk. And he was so barely like, a serial killer. Yeah, Ed, Eddie Kemper, he had a little bit more going on in the serial killer department not that that's like an accomplishment obviously um so he tries to be like ah let's put their head on sticks right and the other dirt bags to their credit are like what dude so uh lewis carruthers the third the star of this movie arrives with his business card and that sets patrick off so he decides to go to the bathroom to strangle lewis But in another triumphant scene, Lewis thinks that he is offering a sexual advance. And he said, I've always wanted this. Like, thank God I want you. And Patrick is then thrown off and doesn't murder him. So, Which I honestly 
think that he is gay. He like knows yeah, no, that. Absolutely. He knows who Lewis is. He knows he recognizes things in himself in Lewis and he still follows him to the bathroom. And like right. he, this is the only time we ever see him try to attack somebody in public around his friends, quote unquote friends. So like clearly he had other Something motives. Something like r- royally yeah. set him off, yeah. Mm-hmm. So back at um, Peanut Butter's office, Kimball has returned and is asking for an alibi the night of Paul's disappearance. Um, He's so sweaty. Funny too. He's so sweaty. Uh, he says he can't. Patrick can't come up with it, so they make a lunch date for the next week to try to pin down the alibi. And then uh, Kimball busts out his Huey Lewis and the news CD, and Patrick Bateman has a little bit of sweaty issue he has a little uh situation he also says and, he was too black sounding for me yeah he's like, i was oh, just gonna skate past that because I, I was like, like i don't want it, oh. like it. <laughs> uh so patrick is then with courtney she wants to talk but he's being avoidant and he hammers home that she's going to marry lewis uh, and then that's the last we see of Courtney in this film. Yeah. Lewis deserves better than both of them. He could do so much better yeah, than Patrick I'm Bateman, just, honestly. My hope is that Lewis is able to, like, live his truth. Sorry, I just read Untamed. Uh, one star. Hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she talks a lot about making a true, more beautiful life. So I hope that happens for Lewis Carruthers third. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this is gets like crazier and crazier. Mm -hmm. He's in the club doing coke with some blonde models, gets into a cab with one of them, and the next shot is him in the office playing with a lock of her hair. He's filling in a crossword with bones and meat, which just like you, you love crosswords. I love to fill crosswords incorrectly. Yeah, yeah, correct. This is an affront. Um, Jean comes in to talk to him, and then he asks her to dinner and. And then he says, where would you like to go? And there's a long pause. And we already know she's going to say Dorcia. It's the only restaurant (laughs) that anyone wants to go to for some reason. Dorcia. So um, he says, okay, meet at seven for drinks uh, at my place. And he calls Dorcia and makes like a fake reservation. And she's like, you didn't give them a name. But she skims right over it. Um, for some reason, yeah. don't do that. So they're at his place. Uh, he offers some sorbet to Jean. She accepts. He opens the freezer, but there's a head in there. Thankfully, Jean doesn't catch it. They have some small talk and like, what do you want to do with your life? You know, how do you feel about relationships? He has a nail gun to her head and is about to murder her when the phone rings and Evelyn leaves a message. Jean gets up to leave because she sees that he's seriously involved with Evelyn and they're speaking like not on the same level he's like if you say something bad will happen and I'll hurt you and obviously she's like thinking about emotional pain and he's like I'm gonna put a nail gun into your head hole so I like there's a lot of argument that he that like Jean sees him as an individual so that's why he didn't murder her but I honestly think it's because he's embarrassed and he like he was he this voicemail that Evelyn left took a had a blow to his ego because she calls him honey and she's like I don't saying all these like fluffy things about him and he hates right, it right. so he doesn't have the confidence to murder or the anger really he's just like feeling down about himself so my cats are fighting again hey you guys Scotty Charles Fizz Fizz Charles 
Uh, I don't, I can't buy the argument that Gene sees him as an individual unless something very different happens in the book because. No, it's not. Gene doesn't, I mean, she is arguably the most human character in the movie, but also she has like pretty much no substance. Yeah. They're losing their shit over here. Charles, guys there... <laughs> get it together there's this we're live he on likes air. to like we're live on air he likes to rub his face on but he'll like lick it and then rub his face on the spot he licked and i was like i'm not even gonna google it i don't know what's going Aww, on oh <laughs> that's so cute he's an angel no you good boy pod pod pets podcast um yeah gene uh, pretty nicely portrayed by Chloe Sevigny. She's a good actress and uh, love her in Big Love, you know. <laughs> I've never watched Big Love. Don't watch it. I don't know that late. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> but she's uh, our but only... she doesn't have... She's like working class, but she's still like adjacent to this world. So she sort of toes this line that is like uncomfortable and strange and you don't really know what to make of Jean. But it also isn't like... It doesn't come to any, like, productive conclusion. She just yeah. doesn't get murdered. And then we move on with our lives. She There's literally no... There's no moral center. There's no good people in this movie that get any sort of, like, lines or, like, all of the people of color are, like, relegated to these marginalized roles just like they are to the people who were following around, these rich white people. And... She's sort of our final girl because she doesn't get murdered and she's the only one who like sees him at the end. But, then, but even well, then, it's not the, end, the the entire structure of what like a slasher movie or a horror movie might be working towards is completely thrown away right. by the confession and the results at the end. So yeah, so I just it's, don't, it's nothing. She everyone nothing in this like movie is else. nothing. There is <laughs> yeah. no. They're all cardboard cutouts of people, and there are no characters really there's only capitalism so uh third kimball interview kimball kimball three that's what i like to call it colloquially lolly yeah i'm fine you guys everybody so kimball and patrick are at lunch the date book of paul allen says he had dinner with marcus havelstrom but Marcus has an alibi. He was drinking with the dirtbags, dun dun dun, and Patrick. Himself. So suddenly there's no longer suspicion on Patrick, and he is just moving along with his day. So he goes to pick up Christy again. She's wary, um, but does end up taking the cash and getting into the limo with him. They go to Paul's actual apartment to meet with Elizabeth, an old friend, and they have some, like, stunted, weird dialogue um, until Patrick finally reveals that he wants to see the two women have sex. And I'm he sorry. He wants to see them get it on. It's, I really exactly. didn't want to see that, thank you. <laughs> Whitney, I mean, it's great. So, Whitney Houston talk. It's all good. He's regurgitating, yeah, some, like, technical jargon that he read in a music journal about Whitney Houston. Uh, and then they're all fucking, and he starts to obviously murder Elizabeth under this sheet. So Christy runs away while he chases her with a chainsaw. So this is another example of, I'm like, maybe this didn't really happen. Because she escapes into the hallway, is screaming and banging on doors, 
Uh, and then he is naked with a chainsaw and running shoes on, just like bounding after her. And I'm mm-hmm. like, someone had to know that something was happening. Like, just, Unless like, everyone is so self-involved that they would never, you know, they're like, what the fuck is all the commotion? I'm trying to do coke I'm in my apartment. Yeah. Yeah. It's also four o'clock so, in the morning uh, or whatever, so. Yeah, I, I will get out of my bed if something like that happens at 4 a.m. because of watching a million horror movies. But if I wasn't primed with that kind of, like, break broken psyche, maybe I would just keep sleeping. I don't know. I think most people would get up, right? I don't – there's, like – there was – I don't – even if – there's, like, some times when people leave their cars in weird spots around the apartment. I'm like, check on the car. Is everyone okay? Like, what's happening? Yeah. So – True enough, baby. Yeah. So uh, he doesn't catch up with Christy. She's run down these, like, intersecting staircase. What do you call that? When it's, like, they're kind of, like, stacked geometrically and there's, like, a center. It's, like, not a yeah. spiral. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, I like, a stairwell. Dumb. But before yeah, it's like she an industrial goes... stairwell. Please, go on. Before she goes running out of the apartment and banging on doors and stuff, she goes through the apartment and sees like oh, and so sees so many bodies. dead bodies yeah. and blood and yeah that's why she's screaming and the die well. yuppie scum yeah. uh, writing on the wall of course of course so he drops the chainsaw down like the center of the staircase which is open this is so fucking stupid he's a cartoon and character it's like yeah. it's hilarious and it kind of catches her and bisects her and kills her And then the next scene is him doodling a scene of her dead body, Christy's dead body, as he breaks it off with Evelyn. Evelyn is performative in her grief and upset. Um, Pretty much, I don't... Touchy, touchy. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I have to return some videotapes. Yes, he did have to return some videotapes, indeed. <laughs> so at the he's at an ATM, and it beeps and says, feed me a stray cat. He hallucinates that it says, feed me a stray cat. And there's a little kitten, like, milling around his feet. A woman catches him trying to kill the cat, so he shoots her on sight. He, like, picks up this cat, and then the ATM says, feed me a stray cat, and then he puts his gun up to the kitten's head. <laughs> it's so, so stupid. So this is the beginning of his berserker mode. Yeah, yeah. So a siren chirps, and he freaks out and sets off a bunch of car alarms and runs away. He shoots four cops when they catch up with him, and then incredulously, their car blows up, and he's just like, "Gotta go." He looks <laughs> at the gun, and then at the explosion, and then he's like, "Oh, gotta keep running." Gotta run, gotta run. Um, he goes into a building that he thinks is his office building, and when it's not, he just shoots the security guard and a janitor. Who also, out. it's like throughout the movie, he's like often, even in like the second scene, the walking on sunshine scene. He is mistaken for other yuppie white guys, Men. and oh, often, constantly yeah. this happens, and it happens again with the doorman. He's like, "That's not me," Mr. and he Spurman pulls it out. And oil, Mr. Smith, right? <laughs> uh, so yes, he, I think that's the last person he kills in this berserker mode. Uh, he so kills the janitor he, in the revolving I, door. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, yeah. He's like, so, he runs out the revolving door, runs back in, shoots like, the janitor, and then oh. runs. It's yeah. It's wild. Mm -hmm. So he then gets up into what he thinks is his office. We don't really know for sure. 
Uh, all and buildings he, are the same. Yeah, they all look the same. He calls his lawyer and dramatically confesses. He, I don't know. Do you want to add anything? Because I just was. This is what I wrote. Ate some of them, comma taped murders, it's, crying and sweating. I wish I could do a. <laughs> uh, an impression but it wouldn't be good it's so sweaty so frantic like i said his like he's sucking his teeth and he's like he's so crying. wet yeah and it's like it's like his tongue is too big for his mouth but like it and the close-up and oh god is like his body is dissolving in a bathtub in hell's kitchen it's like it's i don't know my favorite part is when he's like trying to to like tell him where to meet him and he's like calming himself down and he just like whips himself back up it's like I had to kill a lot of people. Like it's oh, yeah, yeah, that was like, pretty good. I might show up so, at Harry's bar, so keep your eyes open. <laughs> you may show up at Harry's bar, so keep your eyes open. Thank you, Rebecca. You're welcome. <laughs> I love you like the glee. You really it's, love I this love movie. this movie. Yeah, I really. This do. is gonna be me doing House of Wax. <laughs> and I'm gonna movie be like, uh, this is uh, a terrible <laughs> portrayal. Of, but anyway. I it's like a terrible it portrayal of a lot of things. Okay, literally, every um, twins for sure. <laughs> so he's back at his apartment doing his morning routine. He walks out into the hallway to leave the building. He's in Paul Allen's building. Don's a mask, like the ones we're so used Ever heard to of them? Yeah. these days. Uh, enters Paul Allen's apartment and he sees that it's freshly painted and two people are touring with a realtor. Everything's cleaned up and painted over inexplicably because it was just last night. Yeah? Or no. it's hard to say few, when it, things were. I don't know were. exactly what the timeline was. Yeah. So, uh, so Paul realtor, Allen goes missing around Christmas. So this is like a few. And then we have another touch point that it's nearly Easter because mm-hmm. Courtney mentions like I guess if I don't talk to you before easter have a good one um etc yeah it's i yeah it's sometime around like early new year and like it takes place over like two or three months i don't know we're on the ball you guys i know what's Uh, happening the realtor basically tricks him into saying that he didn't see the ad she tells him basically fuck off and don't come back uh he's manic calls gene from a payphone and says he won't make it to the office He's, like, crying and sweating, and he tells her to stop sounding so sad. She did sound sad. Uh, So Jean's like, something is wrong. So she creeps into his office and finds his date book and sees a lot of explicit drawings of sexual acts and murder and realizes what Peanut Butter has been up to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter from BoJack Horseman. Aww. So, uh... (laughs) The best. I love it. <laughs> he, so Patrick meets the other dirtbags at Harry's and then sees his lawyer. Uh, and then the lawyer thinks that he's another man called Davis. So he laughs off the message and says, you know, it, I would think it was believable if it wasn't Bateman. But Bateman's such a fucking loser. Yeah. And he's like, I'm Bateman and it's all true. Karn says, dude, it's not possible. I had dinner with Paul Allen twice in London. And he's like, I got to go. This conversation's over. Back at the office, Gene is looking at the date book, and it's, like, really horrifying, increasingly more horrifying. And then um, they're back at Harry's acting normally and then talking about Ronald Reagan, like, basically code-switching between a, like, nice old man and an evil war criminal. Mm -hmm. And that is what leads us into just a shot, single shot of Patrick Bateman's face. He says he has no relief because his confession meant nothing. 
he continues to suffer and he has no catharsis. Everything is meaningless. I mean, and that's the movie. Everything is meaningless. There is, like, we just went through the plot, but there is no plot because nothing happens in this movie. Literally nothing happens. It's like Seinfeld with murder. Bum, bum, bum. I can't do the, I can't do the Seinfeld. I don't know. Oh, shit. I just started doing Curb. Okay. We don't know what we're talking about. I don't know anything. So this movie is, in my opinion, something that kind of didn't need to exist. Uh, I don't think it says. <laughs> don't make I disagree. <laughs> um, I don't think it adds anything groundbreaking to like a satirical look at corporate America and corporate greed. It's misogynistic, obviously, um, and it's obviously a satire of misogyny. But did we need it? Like. I don't know. What do you think? Tell me what you think. I think, like, it's it's either he did it or he didn't do it. I don't think that it really changes anything. I think that, like, the real monster yeah. is capitalism. Like, this movie is, like, it, he, Patrick Bateman is an allegory for consumerism and capitalism. And so he that is the real monster. And, like, just us following him around while he, like, maybe doesn't murder women and and yeah. people experiencing houselessness and like that doesn't mean anything because capitalism has already taken everything away from these people so like of a I sex worker can have respect that danger. yeah i see that and but i also yeah it's an allegory for the dangers of capitalism but at the same time i don't know what is it really like adding to the narrative and how is it like, Mar- how is it doing anything for marginalized groups, unhoused people, people living below the poverty line? Because at the end of the day, what this movie says is white cis men on Wall Street are, while irredeemable, still pretty much, like, immune to any kind of, like, consequences. But that's the like, fucked up thing. And that's what it's pointing out is, like, if this man did murder people, he just got away from it. Because he's a rich white guy, and so nothing can ever touch him. And that's the problem with capitalism, is that the, we make the upper class untouchable. And that and so, I just, it's like such a it's just such anti-capitalist a drag, movie. It is a fucking drag, but so is capitalism. And this is such an anti-capitalist movie, anti-consumerism, anti-materialism. I I yeah, it's think it's more fun to watch an anti-capitalist movie where marginalized people get and a voice. people and yeah, people that are not allowed a seat at the table take a seat at the table, reconstruct their own table. And I appreciate seeing that it's done by violent means because we'll have to construct the new world through some violence. Like that's I just mean, the way change happens. And this just, I mean, it just felt like I was just in an echo chamber of shittiness and I guess particularly right now because like there is the upholding of Donald Trump as God and obviously we're in Trumplandia right now and our lives are really contingent on his behaviors and like Mm -hmm. we have the melting facade of Mitch McConnell controlling our lives so just kind of like caught me at a pretty bad moment I haven't been having the best mental health days the past couple of weeks right and maybe this didn't help I'm sorry don't apologize this book We're here to do the work. <laughs> right. This this book and this movie came out at a time when I don't know that everyone felt this way. 
and that it's like true especially in, like fresh out of reaganism when things were like really laid bare to how damaging the reagan era was and mm-hmm. george bush is trying to like pretend to hold it together but is unable to I can see that it would be pretty revolutionary in the early 90s and even in the early 2000s. And in the 2000s, like pre, yeah. pre post 9-11, like right around, it was like, the, I do we were all experiencing that, different things. Right. Sorry, was I interrupting you? No. Sometimes I have noticed I get a little interrupty. That's okay. That's what a podcast is. We're just interrupting each other for an hour and a half. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, dude, stop talking over each other. I feel like it's dated and I feel like it's gratuitous. Um, obviously, the book is much, much more gratuitous. And uh-huh. I do appreciate the nuance that Heron achieves by making sure most of the violence happens off screen. Otherwise, it would just be like not a cookie cutter slasher movie, but a really disturbing one in which the messaging is even more buried. Uh, so I think it was subtle and I think it was pretty well done and I think you do still achieve the kind of like sense that Patrick is an unreliable narrator Uh, but I just like honestly all I can think of is what if this movie was made by a male director and a male screenwriter like what atrocity would it be what would it look like (sighs) it would be horrible it would be horrible and like the satirical elements uh, that criticize misogyny, criticize capitalism, criticize homophobia. I feel like those elements are brought by Mary Heron's treating of the movie. And obviously, Easton Ellis has kind of not denounced this movie, but said, like, it didn't need to happen. Uh, and I would push back and say, like, what did your book add to the canon? And as someone who read the book, I would like to hear your thoughts on it. He argues that it's a feminist book and I disagree it is not uh because it's but that's I mean the book is hard to get through if you place yourself completely into the consciousness of a misogynistic violent person that is like basically the like complete apex of what the patriarchy does and you make them the protagonist and you make the only voice that's like acknowledge their voice how can you achieve any sort of like feminism anti-capitalism equity it's just ridiculous because in like the scenes that we get christy are the world's number the one sex she worker she is the great and <laughs> the greatest and that actor did a really good job of like portraying her moods i think really well without yeah, many agree. lines of she has like two lines of dialogue maybe and like, without that, without us watching her, which is also the only time in the movie where we see any other perspective, other side, uh, like, otherwise, outside of Patrick Bateman is when we're following her through this apartment and we're, like, running with her away from him. It's, and it feels, like, refreshing. It feels like we'll get some right. respite from the movie, finally, and then we don't. And then we don't. capitalism. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you don't get any of that in the book because you don't ever... The only time you ever switch perspectives outside of the narrator is when the, like, action sequence, when he's running right. from the cops. But And it's not really, like... It's just more over the top. Uh, right. But I would say that, like... There are certain things that somehow 
don't translate to everyone things that are like these ultimate truths in our lives like that capitalism is evil that not everyone gets and a movie like this where it's like this is exactly what happens white guys can do whatever they want as long as they have enough money like that is exactly what is happening in this movie and she is portraying it exactly like this is what happens in real life and it could happen in real life has happened men get away with murder all the time is like this it's direct it's not I don't I would argue that it's not very subtle at all in any way and so I appreciate that like she's like laying out on the table exactly what's going on and and begging people to pay attention to like how damaging and hurtful all of these things are like capitalism and misogyny but do you think it's placed in like the canon of horror and this like cult following that it has achieved I don't, has translated not, to that I don't know like, that men are really get it I don't think men can are capable of understanding it <laughs> I don't think like it's so I just sad <laughs> because like if you're coming for, at it from a white male perspective where you don't believe that white privilege exists you don't believe that like cultural social and economic inequity has been created by capitalism you just are like whoa that guy's fucking crazy but then like everything else occurs according to your expectations like unhoused people of color are marginalized sex workers are marginalized they're killed with impunity and it doesn't matter because they're the less dead they're sex workers so if you are coming at this with the eye of someone already in a position of power that doesn't feel like you need to interrogate why the system works the way it does because it works for you, what are you going to really take away from this movie? Right. I just I mean, don't I don't know. understand how you could see Patrick Bateman and want to be anything like him. Is that you don't get that he is just an object and he's like pretty and so we, that's the whole he's thing. He's like, nothing. He, he is written without a personality he's or without a an identity. He's a literal shell yeah. mixed with, like, kind of a loser. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, let me put on a tie and, like, splatter my... It's not... He's not someone that you would want to emulate if you're paying attention to this movie at all. I feel like I would be curious to hear a white man's perspective um, for once in my, like, life. <laughs> would have to like fool them into why they were telling us you right. know? <laughs> how do you feel about Patrick Bateman uh, but it's I also mean, Patrick Bateman has not been maligned or dismissed by the cultural canon people love Patrick Bateman and he is like a staple of American horror mm-hmm. but he's also more sinister than so many other villains and I feel like it's just gross that people sort of like idolize him but people idolize Uh, like i mean mike meyer all of our serial killers i think i would rather spend an afternoon with leatherface i'll say that much uh you get some makeup tips right yeah yeah uh i don't know i i yeah it's just like how i come with every at every movie is that like this is the way i feel and i feel i honestly feel like that's the way that I'm interpreting this movie is the way that Mary Heron intended for it to be interpreted. I agree. But not everyone uh, is getting that. And it no, does, I, that's like, a bummer. I see where you're coming from and I am, I obviously respect your opinion and I see that it is all of these things on paper. Like it is anti-capitalist, it is feminist, it is, you know, like pro-sex work and pro-like gay rights. But at the end of the day, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess I need more processing time for your argument on, like, 
where the subtlety is or isn't because it's not subtle to you right. uh, and it is someone who's seen it like you, eight and times. it's like all of this messaging is laid bare because you have like an intimate relationship with this movie and you also have perspective outside of this world but I just feel like not everyone will take it that way and like I feel like a lot of people miss Mary Heron's point um based on like some of the criticisms that I read uh and some of like do you see my chair slowly rolling away from I you? I do. I'm like, like, I can see more akinogen behind you. <laughs> Excuse me. i to scoot back over. Uh, I just feel like so many white men in positions of power missed the fucking point, And that just makes it like, I don't know. It just makes me breathe a sigh of exhaustion. And like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, there's like things in this movie that we're, that we are now on a larger scale talking about like that late capitalism turns people into objects only to produce and consume, but maybe this. And obviously like the anarchist, anti-capitalist socialist view of Reaganism is, has evolved and is like really different today than someone who like is freshly out of Reaganism or even what it looked like when it was 2000 or 2001. Right, 20 like, years ago? Like, we're... Oh, man, it is crazy God. that it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Was your Were your parents really scared about Y2K? We bought, like, two gallons of water and put it in the garage. That's, <laughs> and my mom was like, I think we're fine. But I was also eight, so... Oh. baby. So young. Yeah. Yeah, I I struggled with this one. I I think I struggled with it because I don't know. Like it's I all of the not. things that you hate, but that's it's all the of the things point. that I hate. Right. And there's no like, I, you have to sort of like experience the subtext to. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't feeling receptive to subtext this week. <laughs> I was yeah. Like ah, this is like so frustrating to see. It's also. I think different because I've seen it so many times and when you've seen it at least more than once, you already know what's happening. And so you're interpreting all of the things like he may or may not have done this. So you're not waiting for that twist, which isn't really a twist. And you're like taking everything that he says, like as he's such a fucking idiot and he's stupid and like he's he's just like it's not like important to anyone census, this yeah movie. it like, is it's a lot really aggressive there's so many like intense visual cues um mm-hmm. his voice is super aggressive i was just like ah. uh, <laughs> but maybe uh, i'll grow and mature and i'll feel more the way you feel someday but also is it worth reinvesting any time in this fucking movie when there are so many like newer more up-to-date like horror interpretations and i don't know i just it, feel like, i mean the I problem it. with that yeah. with disregarding these movies that are old now and dated now is that like they are still obviously very important to people? How and like, am I if we're disregarding it, we are spending the afternoon. No, I know, no, but if we're baby. like, let's move on, like to I don't something think newer. Let's move on. I think like I. But you don't understand. Have to like it. Yeah. Like I get it. I see it. I understand its place in the canon. I understand why it's effective, uh, and I am like all down for a t- like two women screenwriting directing team. And you can tell it was directed and screenwritten by women because this, again, would have been just like a complete atrocity if it hadn't been. 
I don't know. I just rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, I get it. I can I can see your argument of like there are better probably better stories to tell and like ways to tell the story. And yes, of course, I wish there were more people of color and black people and women yeah. who were given agency and lines. But I that's wonder what this not movie this would be story. Like if someone made it today, like I don't think you you if, can't make this today. There's no way. Yeah, you're probably you, right. You can't remake it either. It's like it'll I never. Hope no one ever tries God, to please don't. It. <laughs> it's just like when they're like, "Let's remake The Shining." Don't ever do it. It's why it's, bother? It yeah. exists the way that it is, and it should never be touched. Just I will touch. say, watching the movie wasn't a negative experience, and thinking about it critically and sparring with you is like obviously <laughs> what I live for. But yeah, it just doesn't feel like like. I get it. Like I, the messaging has sunk in. I understand the satire. I understand the satirical elements. But I don't wish to consume like the dirt bags, um, right. like dialogue. I don't wish to consume these representations of women. I understand they're satirical, but I also think that to the wrong viewer or whatever, they could be pretty like damaging and. It's a complicated one for sure. It is probably yeah. one of the more complicated ones we've talked about because normally we're just talking shit about like Krampus or whatever, right? They're like the gingerbread cookies or whatever. I can't get over them. They're so cute. They were really cute. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I get what you're saying, and I understand how like it could be difficult to watch, especially the first time, especially right now is um hard. And I would yeah, I don't know how doing? I would. What do you mean in my life? I don't know. My mental health is kind of in the toilet right now. Yeah. I mean, it feels weird. I, like, feel really... I can't go to work, obviously, because I'm COVID positive. Um, And so I feel, like, a little shaky and on uneasy. I heard you also tested positive for loving the movie American Psycho. I have (laughs) several times tested positive for that. Um, And I'll never test negative. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe in 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I'll hate it, but I... No, you probably won't. I do want to get, I have to return some videotapes tattooed on me. So, like, it just means a lot. So, here's what we'll do we'll make (laughs) those new Patreon levels where if people pledge, you'll get tattooed with whatever. I will. Weird horror movie. I'll get tattooed with whatever. Next in line. Yeah, um, I think we're planning a couple's tattoo, you and me, um, of the mm-hmm. Agatha Crispies box from House of the <sighs> I will it's a thousand so percent do it. I would just get a horror movie sleeve, honestly, but not like an obvious one. Like, I don't want a picture of Patrick Bateman. I don't want, you know, I want like little fun nods. Like details. Like yeah. Agatha Crispies is fun. That's so funny. Oh, anything else you want to say about this movie? No. I'm did sorry. We do, did you we do had it to. Justice? I don't know. Probably not. We had like a an intellectual conversation about it, right? So, I think we did the best we can. My brain is like halfway to Jello, and we haven't recorded in a while, so we got right. our feet wet again. You're recovering. I'm sick. It's all. It's a lot. You know. This is like legit the longest I've sat up in like three weeks. Yeah. I've been doing a whole lot of laying down, which is nice, but I'm feeling better now, so. What have you been watching? Um, well, they're taking The Office off Netflix, so I was doing my very last tour. I think it's going on Peacock, which is where I've been watching shit. Weird. I haven't, I haven't. Uh, it's free. I know. I haven't done it. I should. 
I signed up for it so I could watch uh, old seasons of The Real Housewives of Dallas because there's a darkness inside me that I have to feed. I was also watching uh, The Challenge because I do love reality TV, but I like when people compete for stuff. I don't like normally watch just regular reality TV. I like competition shows, but not for a husband because it seems outdated. But... Uh, I did watch one season of The Bachelor with my sister-in-law, Ariel. Oh, Ariel deserves a special shout-out for being our most recent Patreon patron. Oh, thank you, Ariel. Ariel! I love that name. Uh, yeah, she's awesome. Um, but yeah, we watched a season of it together, and we did, like, the whole bracket and everything, and it was fun, but then it got dark. Like, it, it gets dark, you know? I mean, I watch a lot of stupid bullshit, so I'm not gonna say, like, don't watch The Bachelor. Watch whatever the fuck you want. It no, I don't care. It doesn't literally mean I anything, mean, but it just doesn't appeal to me, really. The best part is, like... If you feel like you need a hit of The Bachelor, you can just pop any episode, any season on, and you're like, yeah, I get the premise. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, uh, yeah. But, yeah, Vintage The Challenge from, like, when I was a kid is, like, oh, remember hits CT? the feels. Why He's do I hot. only remember CT? Because <laughs> he's really hot. He's also from Boston. Gross. Disgusting. He was on The Real World San Diego, I think, right? Is that where he I don't originated? remember. Uh, we Google it, but he's still doing it. I see Caesar loves no. ridiculousness. Okay, so I've been Adam trying to watch the too. new seasons, but who can watch? I can't like, because we have to have cable in this apartment. They like signed some deal with Cox so that you have to get a technology That's package. Wild. When you move in, you literally I couldn't have internet unless I got this technology package. So we have to have cable. It's stupid. And so the new seasons of the challenge are on MTV, but I can't like time my life around trying to watch this one show at this one time i you know i have to go to work and shit okay thankfully adam won't hear this because this has been a point of contention he switched internet services over we went from comcast to fios and i was like i must have bravo i need my bravo stories like if nothing (laughs) else i need bravo basically my only sources of serotonin are guys grocery games and real housewives yeah (laughs) <laughs> so he was like okay so we have bravo but we don't have fios on demand so i either have to catch these shows at like 10 p.m on thursdays or i don't get to see them i need That's the on demand part yeah. yeah i can't I, so i have a life to live right i wish i could be home at this time every day every time it's on but i'm not so i watched the first episode kind of and he's on it i was like whoa that is insane he must be 40 he's like 40 something and he looks it he's not as hot anymore but that's okay it's because he had a drinking problem he was always hot in a man that was like in a way that was like mean dirt baggy yeah Um, but i'm sure he's a nice person i don't know anything i don't believe that at all maybe not i don't know he's a he's a guy who's been on reality tv for 20 years at least right so i feel like he must just get some like weird charge out of it because what other reason is there to keep going on money yeah, but, like, how much money could it be worth to go on the MTV Challenge this many fucking times? Right. There's uh, there's another guy who has also been on it forever, and he's, like, nearing 40, I'm sure. What is his name? Johnny Man, Bananas. Man, I have to look up at all these old It's old stupid. Uh, yeah, so. It, but they put two seasons on Netflix. One of them is the one with Karamo of now of uh, fucking... 
queer eye I always fame. forget. Where did Karamo originated on the real world, right? Yeah. That's and he so was insane. like he was so skinny then. And now he's like I give people Philadelphia. advice. Philadelphia. God, what a world. Mm-hmm. God love him. Uh, all right, so next week we're doing The Strangers, requested by <gasps> the one and only Annie. My sister, sister shout out to Annie. It's like uh, her favorite then, scary movie, I think. No, probably Scream. I actually, I haven't seen it. I've either never seen it or I haven't seen it in a really long time. I won't I'm, know until I start watching it. <laughs> I've seen it like a few times, but I haven't yeah. watched it in a long time. Uh, you know, I mean, does that happen to you where you're like, oh, this is Have I just seen clips like, of it uh, or have I seen the movie? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think I've seen it. There's going to be, just get ready. Buckle in because there's going to be so many gifts of Scott Speedman. Did I do Dude, it? I fucking love Scott Speedman. Me I have too. such a lady boner for him. Uh, and then the week after that, we are doing House of Wax. It's been decided. It's my birthday. You, you so I decided get to choose in this my episode. special episode. Nice. Uh, so yeah, it's my birthday. If you want to give us a gift, sign up for our Patreon. Or rate and review. Or follow us on Instagram. Or follow us on Instagram. Or TikTok. I've been or making TikTok. fucking TikToks, okay guys? Have you made I'm one recently? almost 30 and I just got a TikTok. I like it. I lose hours of my life on there. Yeah. When I was, like, early in recovery before I was, like, able to read because I thought I was going to read a million books, but then I was just high. Um, mm-hmm. So I just watched TikTok and TV for, like, two weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, it's on Instagram at SpookySuccubus underscore cast. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Again, follow, rate, review, whatever you do. Uh, grab your friends' phones out of their hands and subscribe for us. Uh, it do it. costs nothing. And it, it means nothing. so much. Rebecca has COVID and I uh, have healing boobs. So take pity on our broken bodies, please. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, I, wow, I appreciate I you. you. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we will be back next week. Happy New Year, everyone. I uh, hope your 2021 is off to a great start. And we'll see you next week. Okay, goodbye.